This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Healthy Aging, providing you with the unique energy support of Pure NT Factor. NT Factor is the only nutritional formula clinically proven to reduce fatigue, whatever the cause, whether it be age, illness, or just being run down. NT Factor from Nutritional Therapeutics repairs damaged cells and restores healthy bacteria in your digestive tract. Clinical trials have shown NT Factor reduces fatigue by almost half, and it even reverses some symptoms of aging. I've been taking NT Factor for years with a 45-day money-back guarantee of nothing to lose. To order, call 800-982-9158. That's 800-982-9158. Or go to ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. We're talking to Dr. Neil Nathan. Uh, he's an expert uh, in treating uh, complex uh, medical problems uh, that have heretofore baffled many conventional physicians, even many uh, functional medicine doctors. He's the go-to guy uh, for patients with uh, mold toxicity, uh, tick-borne disorders, multiple chemical sensitivities, chronic environmental illness. Uh, these are patients who are often uh, left by the wayside. They're stuck. And in part one, uh, we explained uh, why uh, there's uh, a chronic activation of their immune system, uh, which we have to uh, gently shut down. Uh, there are many, many participants of this, uh, Dr. Nathan. But first, I just want to uh, give mention of the fact that Dr. Nathan is in practice. And uh, fortunately, you know, we have patients all over the country, all over the world, in fact, uh, fortunately, you offer an avenue for patients to consult with you, patients who maybe they have a physician in their hometown in uh, New York or Chicago. I know you're on the West Coast uh, in uh, uh, Redwood Valley uh, in Northern California. Uh, but you can be you can uh, contact Dr. Nathan through his website, neilnathanmd.com. And Dr. Nathan, you uh, kind of provide a lifeline sometimes to physicians who need some guidance in working with patients who are stuck. I'll put it this way. I try. Um, yeah, more and more of my work in the last year or two has been focused on teaching other physicians what I know so that we can expand this work. And um, I'm working very hard right now to, um, to do exactly that. And I have several different ways that I'm doing that. Um, number one, um, there's a new organization that your listeners might want to know about um, called ICI. That's I-S-E-A-I, which technically stands for the International Society for the uh, for Environmentally Acquired Illness. And it's an organization that is, um, our mission is to certify to physicians the ability that they have to understand how to diagnose and treat environmental toxins, infections, and um, and and all that comes with that. Uh, this is a very complicated part of medicine, and um, this organization will have its first national meeting and certification process this May. And so, oh, great. for those, where is it? Because I might uh, I might myself uh, want to attend. That'd be great, um, Phoenix. Um, Arizona, May third to fifth, and I would love to have you there, Ron. And, and we have a, it's a it's a star-studded lineup in this field. Dr. Navio, who we mentioned before, will be speaking 
along with Joe Brescano and Rich Horowitz, who are Lyme experts. And we have most of the of the mold experts in this country, um, including myself, Joe Brewer, uh, uh, Jeanette Hope, um, and more. So it's, it's and, and it's good a, you mention that because we do actually have a fair number of uh, clinicians who listen to this program, uh, in addition to our uh, very astute lay people who like to follow intelligent medicine. But let's get back to uh, the basics. Um, you know, tick-borne disorders uh, are part and parcel of this, and they're very pervasive. In, in the book, you cite a, a stark statistic, which is that even by the admission of the uh, CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, uh, 300,000 people uh, annually are afflicted with new onset tick-borne or newly diagnosed tick-borne disorders. Uh, and that may be the tip of the iceberg because it's hard to diagnose these conditions. So uh, where is this a precipitant of this um, malaise that many people experience? It is, and, and it goes woefully undiagnosed. Um, as, as I know you know, there are two major medical groups in this country, one of whom is trying to promote the understanding of tick-borne illness and how to treat it, and the other one is essentially denying that it even exists. So um, medical practitioners are left in somewhat of a bind because, in a sense, they're being asked to take sides as to which of these groups is correct. Um, I, I will say that with the CDC statement, it's very clear to me that we're dealing with an epidemic that is greater even than AIDS ever was. And and if I can put the mold in perspective, yeah. it's estimated that there may, up, may be up to 10 million people in this country currently suffering with mold toxic symptoms as well. So these are major issues that are not being recognized or treated right now. Uh, another uh, aspect of this uh, chronic malaise that people experience with, and it's a relatively new paradigm, and it's, it's something that's very welcome because it explains a lot of bizarre symptoms, uh, is something called MCAS. And uh, we used to call this uh, histamine intolerance, but it kind of goes beyond uh, just histamine, right? That there are some people right. yeah. uh, who are just have, again, a, a bizarre array of symptoms that may coexist with Lyme disease, it may coexist with mold toxicity, often as an accompaniment of these things. Um, and that requires a, a specific set of procedures as well. Yeah, it does. I had mentioned before this MCAS uh, is mast cell activation syndrome. And what happens is these infectious illnesses or toxins or both start to inflame the mast cells so that they become hypervigilant and hyperreactive to stimuli that normally they wouldn't deal with. Now, Normally, a mast cell, its job is to coordinate how the immune system deals with infectious and toxic agents. But if it becomes inflamed, it becomes overreactive to all stimuli and starts to release histamine and 200 other biochemical mediators into the body. Which I often refer to those people as people who seem to be allergic to the to everything. You know, it's not like you know we try yeah. to do allergy tests on them. We say, well, you know, let's get rid of uh, wheat and dairy. That often helps people. Well, not much better. You know, uh, right. and it gets down to the gets the point where they're drinking tap water, and uh, they still manifest symptoms. Yeah, absolutely right. It's 
It isn't allergy, although what they share with allergy is the, an excessive amount of histamine secretion. Well, they're like, like their own allergy factory, they become. Yeah. They, depending on the state of reactivity of their, of their mast cells, as you're pointing out absolutely correctly, they can react to drinking water. You know, and if you don't understand it, other people will go, you can't be allergic to water. Well, they're not allergic to water, but the water is so irritating to the mast cells in their gut that it is producing histamine, which can cause all of the symptoms I just talked about. Mm -hmm. But most prominently, um, palpitations, sweating. Right. So again, we're, uh, we're not talking about the traditional allergy symptoms. Yeah, there's sneezing, wheezing, skin itching, yeah, uh, eye yeah, burning. Yeah. This could be fairly typical, uh, but a, a bizarre array of symptoms can arise from this, right? And the tip-off is that it occurs immediately after eating or drinking something. Mm -hmm. There isn't an hour or two wait. It's immediate. And so if, if you or a loved one has um, some kind of an unusual symptom that occurs within minutes of eating or drinking something, there's your tip-off to the fact that this is probably a mast cell activation issue. And measures to control that, uh, there are dietary measures, uh, there are certain supplements. Well, first, <clears throat> yeah, sure. First of all, there's a low histamine diet. Um, I usually ask my patients to go through the Internet because there's a lot of mm -hmm. low histamine yep. diets, and they're all restrictive. So I ask them to pick out one that they think they can do and do it for at least two weeks. If it is helpful, then it's worthwhile staying with it. In my own experience, about 50% of my patients respond well to that, and about 50% of my patients go, eh, it's not really doing anything. So if it's helpful, they should continue, but if it's not, um, I, it, there's no particular point in being restricted. There's also uh, supplements that are helpful for this. Uh, quercetin has been touted, uh, something called DAO has been touted. Correct. And, and so there's both pharmaceutical interventions and supplements. And interestingly, Ron, I find that people either go into one group or the other. They tend to respond either to natural materials or to pharmaceutical agents, occasionally both. So the natural materials, as you mentioned, quercetin is probably the number one. And in that, quercetin is a natural mast cell stabilizer. But it's important for uh, consumers to know that you really need to take it 30 minutes before you eat or it won't work very well. In other words, it has to it's, be in It's prophylactic. It's preventive. Exactly. You've got to be quieting down those mast cells before something comes down the hatch or it's not going to really be very effective. So uh, quercetin, uh, 30 minutes before each meal. DAO, which stands for diamine oxide, it is an enzyme that breaks down histamine and can be very helpful. Um, there's a couple of other products. One is called Paramine. Another one is called All Clear, um, both of which... By, by the way, all of these listed uh, in a comprehensive fashion in your book. But your book is very generous uh, about uh, <coughs> lists of, of potential remedies. And, you know, different strokes for different folks. Some people respond to one rather than the right. other. Right. Um, now, in the, in, the, in the medication, it's things that many people probably have taken, such as um, Claritin or Allegra, 
which are H1 histamine receptor mm-hmm. blockers, or Pepsid and Zantac, which is an H2 receptor blocker. So um, those are the simplest things that patients mm-hmm. can take, and often that will make a huge difference. I find it's funny that, funny that an ulcer medication actually is part of the solution for this, but it turns out it's actually an antihistamine. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So often the more of these things that a patient can take, the quieter the reaction becomes, and many patients will report feeling markedly better within a few days of even starting this. Right, and then it's a matter of sort of ramping down that uh, inappropriate uh, immune response. Um, right. Yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we've got to go back to the treatment, meaning this is great, but if we want to cure it, we need to fix what's set this off in the first place, which for most patients is either mold or Lyme or, or one of the co-infections of Lyme disease, which is Bartonella. Mm-hmm. Well, talk briefly about Bartonella, because I think people have heard a lot about uh, Lyme disease, but Bartonella, you know, it sounds like... Uh, you know, some sort of Italian uh, after-dinner <laughs> liqueur. Yeah, it does, but not really. So, first of all, you can get Bartonella in two main ways. But one of the common ones is that when a tick bites an individual, they will inject eventually the contents of its stomach into that into that person's body through the skin. I, I've heard it said that, uh, and I think you've heard this again and again, is getting a tick bite is a little bit like stepping on a on a dirty syringe on a you know it's washed yep, up on a beach. Yep, yep. Doctor Joe Boriscano calls it nature's dirty needle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, along with Lyme, Bartonella is one of the commonest things that the tick will inject into you. It can also inject Babesia or Lichia. Uh, Rocky Mounted Spotted Fever, type rickettsias, uh, other things. But the two most common are Lyme and Bartonella. And the other way you can get Bartonella is, believe it or not, from exposure to cats. About 40% of cats carry the Bartonella bacteria, and if, if you are scratched or bitten by a cat, if, if that can, again, penetrate the skin, um, that becomes something that you are exposed to and could ostensibly... It's yeah. like the old uh, rock and like roll the, song, Cat Scratch Fever. <laughs> and Cat Scratch Fever is what we're kind of talking about with many, many other species. Mm-hmm. But this is more insidious. I mean, I, a lot of people are under the impression, I think a lot of conventional doctors are under the impression, is that when you get one of these infections, you're going to get a rip-roaring uh, fever, you know, joint aches, uh, massive symptoms, that are going to be obvious, and uh, it's going to be just a matter of a you know quick blood test to confirm a dose of antibiotics, and you're done. Yeah, it's a lot harder than that, and I wish it was that simple, but it isn't. Um, the whether or not you get sick from this type of exposure has to do with the very elaborate dance that your immune system does with these microbes. So if you have a very strong, intact immune system, you can you can have this literal injection of Lyme or Bartonella, and you can hold it at bay for years. Mm-hmm. But if your immune system becomes weakened, then the you lose that containment, and, and one or both of those organisms can start to take over, and it uses a variety of methods to 
weaken your immune system further so that it can't deal with the way the way it normally would. So you could have had a tick bite years ago and have no obvious symptoms from it. As you're pointing out, no, you might not get all of the the symptoms immediately, you know, fever and swollen lymph glands, etc. And it might come on years later. Is it easy to diagnose these chronic uh, uh, infections by conventional means, um, or do we have to use special tests? You need special tests, and unfortunately, it's still not easy, even with special testing. Um, one of the problems with these microbes is that they have the ability to weaken your immune system so thoroughly that you may not be able to make antibodies to mm -hmm. them, which is how we normally make our diagnosis. So if you took Lyme or Bartonella, for example, even if you had Lyme, your immune system might be too weak to make antibodies so that the normal testing that we would do would come up negative, even if you had it. So this is a whole subject unto itself. We might invite you back in a couple of months for a more for a deeper dive on the subject of tick-borne illnesses, because that in itself is a very, very complicated uh, paradigm. But I want to switch gears slightly and talk about uh, the autonomic nervous system and how it's uh, involved in these uh, in these symptoms that some of these patients experience, uh, such as POTS, uh, postural hypotension, you know, so we call it uh, weak and woozy uh, disease that many patients have, um, and uh, palpitations and dizziness, lightheadedness, uh, you know, sometimes uh, weird uh, uh, skin sensations, hot, cold uh, sensitivity. Um, these have to do with the nervous system, and it's very easy to attribute these things to it's all in your head. And to some extent, that's accurate because it partakes of the nervous system. And the central nervous system, yeah, it happens to be located in your head, but it also uh, uh, permeates your body via the nerves, the vagus nerve. It's the largest of the autonomic nerves. So you actually have devoted a, a thoughtful section in your book to re, um, resetting, and I, I think you nicely use the word rebooting the autonomic nervous system. Just like you might, you know, my computer doesn't work. I just simply, you know, hit reboot. Uh, that's, that's, that is the correct analogy. Um, and you're really bringing up a super important subject, which is, the kinds of inflammation that we're talking about, which is brain inflammation, not psychogenic, but brain inflammation, affects two main areas of the brain. And you're correctly pointing out that the vagus nerve is one of them, and the other one is the limbic system. So the Fight limbic or flight. system is the yep. part of, exactly. The limbic system is the part of the brain that deals largely with emotion and sensitivities. So if you have someone who has been, you know, rock stable all their life and all of a sudden they are anxious, experiencing panic, overwhelming depression. Sometimes they don't even feel like they're in their own body. They've become sensitive to light, sound, touch, everything that they go near. That really smacks of a limbic dysfunction, which is really common in these patients. And that interfaces with the vagus nerve even though these are different parts of the brain, a limbic dysfunction will also affect the vagus nerve and its related cranial nerves, and vice versa. So we need to, and especially in our very sensitive patients, and in my practice, that's almost everybody, we need to 
use treatments that will quiet down these hyperreactive, hypervigilant parts of the nervous system so that their bodies will even allow them to take the treatments that will ultimately get them well. So other than uh, benzodiazepines, you know, Valium, Ativan, Xanax, uh, which commonly uh, patients of this kind are dosed with, uh, what are some more um, uh, fundamental ways, not artificial ways, to uh, reset the nervous system? Well, I'll, t- I'll talk about them separately. For the limbic system, there's a, there's a program developed by Annie Hopper called uh, DNRS, which stands for Dynamic Neural Retraining, which are exercises and visualizations that will quiet the limbic system. It's a fabulous system. I've had at least 250 of my patients use it with some great responses to it. There's a parallel system developed by another uh, person named Ashok Gupta, which is called uh, amygdala retraining. And it's similar, but somewhat. And the amygdala is thought to be like the fear center of the brain. It's like recognition, Correct. but also fear, right? Fear. But again, the amygdala and the limbic system are literally almost a different name, different names for the same mm-hmm. part of the brain, mm-hmm. of the brain, essentially. So those are simple things that can be done for the limbic system. For the vagus nerve, there, is a series of exercises which has recently been written about uh, by a fellow named Stanley Rosenberg in a book called Accessing the Healing Power of the Vagus Nerve and very simple exercises which can be done in a very short period of time. Stanley Rosenberg himself is a cranial uh, craniosacral practitioner and if you can find someone who is good at craniosacral work, particularly I would recommend the biodynamic osteopathic component of that. Combining that with these exercises is a great way to quiet these nerves. What, you, you, can also use, you can also use a device called frequency-specific microcurrent, which will help to quiet it down. And there's another device called BrainTap, which again you can utilize to quiet down or reboot this nervous system. Well, you've obviously taken a very, very comprehensive look at uh, multiple pathways by which we can uh, diagnose and untangle the the complex web uh, of problems that afflict these patients. And it's all in this book. It's it's very comprehensive. I would recommend it uh, to uh, patients uh, as well as practitioners. Uh, If some of this has resonated for you, if you've experienced these symptoms, and I think Many of you have, or perhaps you know someone who has. This is the book for you. It's titled Toxic, Heal Your Body from Mold Toxicity, Lyme Disease, Multiple Chemical Sensitivities, and Chronic Environmental Illness. The author, today's guest, Neil Nathan, MD. And um, you can uh, find out more about uh, Dr. Nathan at uh, his website, which is neilnathanmd.com. And that's N-E-I-L. Spelling, N-E-I-L, Nathan, N-A-T-H-A-N-M-D dot com. And, uh, I, yeah, I just really want to extend, uh, my uh, profound, uh, admiration for the work that you've done and, uh, congratulations in this book, which beautifully articulates your work and hopefully will be shared widely. Oh, 
thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, come on your show and have you share it with your audience. Well, indeed. And I think what we'll do is uh, there's just so much in the book uh, that uh, we may repack uh, a second podcast focusing specifically on some of the issues that uh, we didn't manage to cover today because there's so much here. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Nathan. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional-grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical-grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA-compliant and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's drhoffmanstore.com. drhoffmanstore.com.